Hi, my name's Falcon, and this is my friend Ryoga. Yes, I'm the same Falcon from the World Championship Fighting Matches. You know, when I need to pick me up, I use Power Stone. That's right, I'm sure you've heard of it before. And Power Stone is not just good for when you're in a desperate attempt and you need to go and get yourself out of a sticky situation by harnessing your untapped potential released by the focus power of the Power Stone. It's also great whenever you need a little extra boost. Nervous for a date? Use Power Stone beforehand and you'll be a smooth talker with the ladies. Of course, she may stare at your extreme external changes, but that's just one of the possible side effects of Power Stone, and don't worry, it's not permanent. Uh, another great situation, of course, is if you're nervous for a test. Power Stone may not help you go and ace the answers, but it sure will distract everybody as you cheat off your neighbor's paper. And, you know, Power Stone... I have to say, is a great refresher when you're feeling poop because it just makes you yell out loud and suddenly you're changed and you feel like a whole new person. Of course, there are some side effects with Power Stone, so consult your doctor first. Uh, some side effects include extreme visual changes, ability to turn into non-living objects, and uh, increased aggressiveness, and potentially lasers and missiles may be emitted from your body. So next time you need a pick-me-up, don't reach for the Dr. Pepper, don't even think about Mountain Dew, and Red Bull is just a joke compared to the awesome power of the Power Stones. Power Stones brought to you by Capcom, the same people that created knights that pop out of their armor and have to fight the undead by throwing different spears, all while wearing their underboxers. Yes, so if you need Power Stone, be sure to check out any Capcom store, or of course, any self-respecting video game retailer. There's clever engineers. But no. Time for ASO Radio. Hey, you. It's time for another episode of ASO Radio. I, of course, am the host of ASO Radio, NZ17. Joining me in the studio tonight are my left and right hands, which can also double as co-hosts in case of an emergency. But I think I'll be able to handle the duties tonight without the need to uh, use my little friends. Anyways, uh, we got a heck of a show in store for you today, and when I say a heck of a show, I mean a heck of a show. Uh, we have the uh, very talented, unlimited magician going and playing us some very wonderful music today. Uh, more about that, of course, in the fan mail section, which is where I like to go and store our music for the show. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. We've got some reviews coming up of uh, the very exciting Power Stone series. Of course, it's uh, very exciting depending on which episode you watch. And uh, we're going to review two different video games for the hotspot today. We're going to review Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix for the Nintendo GameCube and Mad Maestro for the PlayStation 2. I'll give you a hint. One of them gets rated higher than the other one. Which one will it be? Well, you can guess and find out if you're right come the hot spot. But for right now, we have a whole bunch of anime news to cover and plenty of time to cover it in. 
But hey, it still needs to be covered, so let's get marching over. As they say on Macross Plus, let's news! Paprika in U.S. theaters in March. Twitch reports Satoshi Kon's Paprika is tentatively slated for March 2007 theatrical release in America. Hey, be sure to check it out. I'm sure it's mind-altering. Hayao Miyazaki has turned down an invitation to the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Yes, according to Studio Ghibli producer Toshio Suzuki, who held a press conference uh, a little while ago, uh, Hayao Miyazaki has turned down his invitation to the Academy Awards. He was quoted as saying, uh, he, which is Miyazaki, was actually requested three times, Suzuki said. He does not seem to be glad with it because he thinks it seems to mean his retirement is near. Miyazaki's thought, I want to be as active as possible, seems to be strong. Well, don't worry, Miyazaki. If uh, that's true, then that means that Tom Cruise's career is nearly over. <laughs> that simply can't be true, right? Next up, Appleseed 2 gets a name and a date. Yes, for those people that wanted more Appleseed action, and uh, apparently not too many of them, given how long it took for those copies at Walmart to sell. Producer John Woo's Ex Machina, a sequel to 2004's Appleseed, will be released next year in Japan. Will it come to America? Well, if Sony isn't burning too much from the last release, it might. Gendo Senki tops box office. Gendo Senki, which is the Studio Ghibli adaptation of Tales of Earthsea, a popular sci-fi series, uh, the movie has brought in 905 million yen from 435 screens at the Japanese box office for the weekend of August 1st, beating second place Pirates of the Caribbean 2 or Caribbean, all depending on which way you like to pronounce the word, which was showing on 750 screens, which is rather impressive. Half the screens, but more money, I like. Uh, apparently, 10 billion yen is Toho's prediction for Ghetto Senki's final box office tally, and not the, fr- we- uh, the film's first weekend results. Yes, we got this little news update not too long ago, and apparently that uh, 409 million yen is just an early release according to some of the box offices. So I told you, we have plenty of time to cover the news. And why is that? Because that's all the news for this episode. I know it's short, but hey, at least it's sweet and it's straight to the point, right? Hey, straight to the point. Let's go and point ourselves on over to the anime review. So, this show we're going to be reviewing Power Stones Volumes 4 and 5. I was planning on reviewing more Power Stone on the show, as really, each volume's more or less more of the same thing, but I thought that it wouldn't be bad to cover episodes 14 through 21 on the show. Um, the series just basically picks up where Volume 3 left off, uh, with uh, Falcon and his apparently ever-growing horde of friends keeps moving from continent to continent throughout their world in order to both find the Power Stones and, as Falcon often gets distracted, and tries to go and watch his uh, hero Valgus in the ring. Um, along the way, of course, they keep running into the Octopus Gang and uh, their nefarious pirate leader who the uh, Falcon, Ryoga, and all the rest of the gang keep encountering, and slowly but eventually end up uh, befuddling him by the end of Volume 5, they end up going and recapturing Ayame's Power Stone. Notice how I emphasized May 
and not me on the end of her name. Yes, the voice acting continues to disappoint in these volumes, as apparently no one can go and say Ayame correct, except for maybe on the occasion when they mess up and they actually meant something else. Falcon especially is horrible at this, and keeps referring to his potential love interest in the show as Ayame. Apparently, he's not very serious about her at all, if he can't even get her name right. And meanwhile, Ryoga's having his own love problems with Rouge, who has brushed off Falcon for the uh, samurai. And, of course, the samurai uh, Ryoga cannot go and handle Rouge, because he's trying to focus on his training. Um... The thing with this uh, Power Stone series is ADV has tried to rework it to be more friendly for American audiences. Uh, namely, they're trying to go and sh- aim this show at kids. Now, granted, in Japan, this show is aimed at kids, too, but there's cultural differences which tend to make it difficult to make a show uh, aimed at kids in Japan to be aimed at kids in America because kids in Japan are used to Japanese culture, not American, so some of the jokes and references had to be changed for that. But not only that, there was a good amount of editing going on. Now, as far as I could tell, there was nothing visually changed, but many of the lines were changed in the show in order to go and change focus. For example, and those of you with sensitive ears may wish to cover them at this point, uh, at one point, Rouge is so amorous towards Ryoga that he happens to go and get an erection. Uh, This is quite embarrassing for him and apparently causes him to run off. However, the way they dubbed it is that she happened to go and hit him in the nose and he had to run off. Why he was holding his groin when it was his nose that was supposed to be bleeding is beyond me. Uh, But apparently, um, maybe they're being symbolic when they say nose, and they don't literally mean that thing sticking out from his face. Well, anyways, it was uh, pretty fun watching these two volumes, uh, but neither one really excelled. Uh, It was nice to see them overcome the gang, which of course I'm sure will be back in Volume 6 for a final confrontation of some sort. And it was nice to see Ayame get her Power Stone back, and us to finally get out of Soil Town, and so we no longer have to go and deal with that whole story, which took too many episodes, in my humble opinion. So, uh, Power Stone, I continue to enjoy it, but much of its initial charm is worn off, especially since in these episodes they tend to go and use a lot more of the exaggerated uh, features that you see in manga, such as characters' faces warping into different ways, and like when they're angry looking one way, when they're coy another, when they're sad or happy or whatever, then their faces and shapes and sizes keep changing, which is in great contrast to the earlier volumes, where it was rather consistent, and the most you got was maybe a sweat drop or, say, a throbbing vein uh, uh, cross sign on their head. So um, the the art style, in my opinion, has degraded since the beginning, and that proves to be a bit of a distractor. So I'm going to have to go and give Power Stones Volumes 4 and 5, Episodes 14 through 21, a neutral recommendation. It's just uh, not good enough to give a recommended to, but it still retains enough of its initial charm to go and keep me watching. Hey, it's time for the fan mail. Do you guys remember how in episode 98 I said that 98 and 99 were the Gemini episodes? Well, uh, indeed they are, and I recorded 98.9 directly after I recorded 98. Uh, and in those few seconds of time, apparently nobody thought that it was worthwhile to send in some fan mail. Very disappointing, people. 30 seconds should be long enough for you to go and shoot out a mail that says, Hey, NZ17, great job on that last episode. 
Oh, sure, granted, as of this recording, I haven't actually uploaded 98, let alone giving you time to write the uh, response, but come on. You know I love the fan mail. After all, how can I make a show customized to your specific tastes and wants unless you go and tell me what those tastes and wants are? Now, granted, if I was psychic, I would know, but hey, if I was psychic, don't you think I'd be trying to go and make a living in a different way, namely ripping people off and winning the lottery? You bet I would. But uh, since I don't have those psychic powers, I'll refrain from acting unscrupulously, at least for long enough to finish recording episode 99. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, okay, I mentioned the fan art contest. I mentioned a whole bunch of crap last episode, actually. So we're not going to bother to reiterate all of that hutchpaw this time. What I am going to say, though, is that besides for our fan art contest, I'm thinking of having a new contest. Uh, the next season of Ace of Radio is soon upon us. I believe it starts, uh, let's see, 13 episodes to a season. So we've got 13, 26, 52, 104. Okay, so 105 is going to be our new season. I think it's season 9 or 10. Uh, not too sure. Write me in a fan mail. Hey, nice bit of trivia. Uh, first person to write me in a fan mail uh, saying that uh, which the next season of Ace of Radio is going to be, uh, they're going to get something really special. Don't want to say what it is because I like to give people surprises. All right, so back on subject. What I want to do is have a theme contest I want you to go and use your musical skills to come up with a new opening theme for ESO Radio. Our current theme has served us rather well for the past several episodes, but, uh, you know, it's always nice to go and have a change, and nothing says new season better than a new opening bit of music. So if you would like to enter our music contest, just go ahead and use our standard fan mail submission form, but uh, in the fan mail, mention what your music is and where I can download a copy of your nomination for our next theme song. Uh, just keep it, you know, uh, fun, fast paced and uh you know make it enjoyable what can i say if it's uh good music it's got good chances of winning because uh well what can i say it's all subjective but good music tends to go and uh, get higher rankings no matter whether you like the genre or not okay so uh what else what else what else okay we may not be able to go and do convention coverage of nandesu con this year this is nandesu con's 10th anniversary love to be there to go and cover it but we may not be able to because of uh, financial concerns, perhaps. Uh, I don't think that will be too much of concern, as much as the fact that DB3 may not be able to be available to go to Nandesu Khan. Now, I don't want to go and say, hey, everybody, go and use our fan mail submission form, which is easily located at www.nz17.com slash fan underscore mail dot php, or you can just go to our website and find it easier. And uh, use that to go and send in dozens of fan mails requesting DB3 come on the show as a way of encouragement and blackmail. But it couldn't hurt to go and help to get them on the show. Anyways, uh, if we cannot cover NandesuCon, uh, the next best thing is we're thinking of covering Anime Banzai, which is a new anime convention that's being held in the state of Utah. Um, Utah, USA, of course, for those from our international audience, in case you were wondering. And uh, this is going to be their second year. So if we do go, we're probably going to be the big men on campus, as uh, we may just end up being invited as guests of honor, because, you know, the smaller the shindig is, the bigger the guests look. Um, so I guess there's not really much else to talk about in the fan mail spot, except, of course, for our fabulous music that we're going to be featuring. I believe that I mentioned earlier in the show that we're going to have a sound uh, coming to us from Unlimited Magician, and here it is. This one's called Sound Sight, 
and you can find this and samples of several other of their songs from their website, which is unlimitedmagician.com. And uh, if you like the sounds of this, I would like to hear the sounds of your music. So if you have a band or you know somebody that does run a band, remember we do air independent music on the show. And by independent, I simply mean you give us the rights to air it on the air, and we'll go ahead and provide links to you and play the music on the show to go and gain popularity with your audience. After all, think about it. Your guys listen to our show, we get more popular. Our people listen to your music, you get more popular. And hey, who knows, you may even sign it big one day with a major label. Anyways, enough of my banter. Let's go ahead and get some music on with Sound Sight from Unlimited Magician.
wonderful, simply wonderful. Oh, no, no, not not Unlimited Magician. Uh, they're great. They're great. I was talking about the hotspot. We got a fantastic review. Uh, the review is fantastic, but what about the game? I don't know. Let's get our review on with uh, Super... Uh, oops, sorry. I'm so used to saying Super when I say this name, but we're reviewing Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix for the Nintendo GameCube. Okay, well, we got a bit of a contrast here. We've got Unlimited Magician's nice sight sound, and we also have this remix of a theme from Super Mario Bros. 3, uh, which was included in Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix. So what's this game? Well, if, you, if you've ever heard of Dance Dance Revolution, you'll be familiar with the mechanics, but briefly for those who are not, arrows scroll up from the bottom towards the top of the screen where there is a row of gray arrows. When the arrows from the bottom of the screen reach the top, you are supposed to step on them in time with the music. And the more accurate you are, the better your score is, and the higher the combos you can get, and you can potentially make high scores and unlock songs. Dance Dance Mario Revolution, uh, I messed that up, but you know what I'm saying. Um, oh, that's right. In in Japan, I believe it was called Dance Dance Revolution Mario's Rave or Mario Revolution. I'm not too sure. But they changed the name to Mario Mix for the U.S. release. And don't believe Nintendo's promotional materials if you've seen them. If you look at anything that Nintendo's done from the outside box of this game to their website, they make it look all cool and urban and happening, kind of like Mario but a bit edgier and doing these uh, kind of cool remix songs. When you get to the game itself, it's actually a pukey rainbow sort of Mario version, which it supposedly starts off in the Mushroom Kingdom or could even stay in it for the whole time, who knows, they get on some sort of crazy music-powered airship. Uh, the, the whole story of the game is as crazy as you can get. Essentially, uh, Waluigi, which is supposed to, I guess, be the anti-Luigi, uh, goes and unlocks these musical notes, which are held in some sort of fortress in the Mushroom Kingdom, which is making everything go wonky, and so, of course, it's up to Mario, along with his sidekick Toad, uh, who actually shows up and comes along with Mario for a change instead of so many games where we haven't seen or heard from him in such a long time. And essentially, since Mario doesn't talk except for a, a couple of brief Italian-esque explanations throughout the um, game, uh, Toad goes and essentially ends up being the narrator. Uh, you happen to go across a couple of shots along the way where you can buy, say, extra lives or, or boosts for your meter or whatever to go and help Mario along the way, but they're not really necessary if you're a good DDR player. Uh, the game includes a lot of uh, songs, but you're going to be very disappointed if you're uh, hoping for them to all be Mario song remixes like that excellent one I featured earlier on. Yes, there are a number of excellent Mario remixes, but most of the songs apparently uh, are classical music, which has been remixed and infused with a tiny bit of Mario sound effects and or slices of Mario music. Um, so you come in expecting a whole bunch of awesome Mario songs, and you do get some of those, but the main course in this is uh, classical music remixed. Why? Hey, Konami uh, doesn't need to pay royalties for classical music because it's so old they don't have to, and so they made a whole bunch of Mario-esque um, sounds for this, but really, those uh, some of those are good, but... The real draw of the game is the Mario music, and sadly, it is dwarfed by the other selections. There's classical, but there's also some, like, brand new songs which are introduced, 
and uh, some of those are pretty good. Uh, one song that I really hated is when you're in Latiku's garden, where apparently a bunch of Koopa Troopas are causing trouble, and the Koopas are singing during this. Uh, the singing sounds very similar to that in New Super Mario Brothers, which I'm reviewing on the next episode of ASO Radio, episode 100 in our 321 countdown of 98, 99, 100. But regardless, the music in this game uh, ranges from really great to really wretched. And uh, it also ranges from a wide number of games, all the way from Mario Brothers, the arcade game, up to uh, Super Mario Sunshine, and many games in between, including the Mario Party series. Uh, so there's a nice wide range of songs. Um, and uh, there's, some, there's some unlockables in this game to be had. You can unlock additional songs to play by going and having so many coins from performing well during the mini-games that show themselves in between the main Dance Dance Revolution style uh, levels, uh, which essentially like includes stomping really fast on the mat and then jumping to make Mario hit the flagpole like he did in the classic games, or to try to run away from a loose uh, chomp chomp or whatever those little... Uh, Weights with teeth that bite at you are called. See, it's been so long since uh, they've done a hardcore enough Mario for me that I'm starting to forget some of the names. Um, but, uh, you know, the voices just use the same voice actor from the earlier Mario games, and I have to say, his voice seems to get higher and higher pitched with every release. Um, so it's, it's pretty fun. It's nice to have something different from the usual. Uh, the princess has been kidnapped theme for the uh, story. Um, but, of course, the story has never been that strong of a point for the Mario games. Uh, but I do have to say I really liked the final stage, which featured uh, Bowser breakdancing and you trying to outdance him and assemble rockets by stepping on them during the song. See, Mario Mix tries to mix it up by going and throwing in not just the regular arrows, but uh, things from the Mario games that you should and shouldn't step on. Like there will be these spiky, spiny spikes that you're not supposed to step on, but there may be Koopa shells or Goombas or, like I said, bits of rocket that you have to step on in order to not get hit and lose life points or what have you. Um, there's uh, uh, some more unlockables in the form of every time you beat story mode, you get another harder uh, difficulty that you can play the game through. And also, you can elect to play as Mario or Luigi, which is kind of nice, so you don't end up having to play as Mario every time through the game. But they're the only two playable characters, which is rather disappointing in my opinion. Uh, there's multiplayer mode. Uh, unfortunately, GameCube Dance Dance Revolution maps aren't that common, but because of the popularity of the game, uh, places like GameStop and some of the uh, Chinese manufacturers have started to put out either PlayStation games with GameCube adapters on the ends of them or actual ones that can be used on just the GameCube or ones that have multiple plugs. Uh, so you can get your two-player groove on. The game was in limited supplies, but it was so popular that Nintendo did a reprint of it in March of 2006, following its winter 2005 release. Um, I enjoyed the game somewhat, but the overly cartoony world and lackluster screwed-up storyline really, really... Um, makes it less enjoyable. Uh, I have a younger sister, and I uh, had her go and play this game. Uh, it's very nice because it has, uh, you can set it for very easy 
for younger players, and so she was actually able to complete some of the songs, but even she found the story in between the levels quite trying. So while there is a standard Dance Dance Revolution mode where you can just select the song you want to play, and whether or not you want the optional enemies in the song, and then play the song, get your score, and move along, the story mode could have been better, I think, if they had cut out all of the, the text, so you didn't have to keep reading and hitting A, especially on the replays, but rather it just showed them doing actions, and then that way you wouldn't have to sit through the atrocious text and get to just focus on the animations. So the the pristine, clean Mushroom Kingdom world, which is too clean, um, really takes away from the uh, feel that you think the game's going to give you based upon the really cool street, if you will, advertising supplements that Nintendo provided for this game and adorned their Flash website with. Uh, there's also a uh, diet mode, which is pretty awesome, which uh, keeps track of how many calories you've burned. So if you're one of those people that likes to use Dance Dance Revolution to lose weight, then you can go and use the calorie counter in this game to go and find out how much weight you've lost by shaking your groove thing. Uh, unfortunately, the game's not smart enough to know whether or not you've gone and plugged in a gamepad or not, so if you're wanting to cheat, just swap out the dance pad for a gamepad and uh, press the buttons and uh, virtually lose calories, if that's your thing. Um, but, like I said before, the songs are either remixes of classical music or Mario tunes, and the Koopa, Goomba, or whatever voices they are uh, can get quite on the nerves. So the game doesn't lend itself to long-term use as a uh, weight loss activity because you're going to get tired of the songs. Some are kind of catchy, but most of them are forgettable. Or you're going to want to skip altogether unless you're trying to unlock all the stuff or get a high score. So I'm going to go give Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix for the Nintendo GameCube a neutral rating. Uh, I liked it, but it just... Um, it wasn't what it could have been. They're trying to go and please everybody, and it just didn't work. And, you know, it's surprising because you think that Konami, who developed this game for Nintendo, could have done so much more with it. Alright, next up, we have a review of Mad Maestro for the PlayStation 2. Uh, of course, uh, you could say this is a music-themed review show, since, you know, we got Mad Maestro and Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix on this. And just a while ago, uh, in episode 97 or 96, I believe I reviewed Tycho Drum Master, so we're really on a roll. Mad Maestro, though, is a very funky controlling game, and there's a reason why its uh, game label, which I believe was Fresh Games or something to that effect, is no longer around, and that's because the games they chose to release were kind of lackluster, and that's why no other publisher was going after them. They were hoping to do a Japanese uh, brand, uh, with this Fresh Games label by having things like Mr. Mosquito and Mad Maestro and apparently other MM-named games. Uh, but these games tended to not be left in Japan because they were too Japanese, though they are quite Japanese in their style, but because they just control poorly and have lackluster graphics, which is the case with Mad Maestro. Mad Maestro uh, centers around a budding young maestro who has taken it upon himself to go and save the concert hall in town along with the help of a fairy who apparently has some sort of magical powers and between their two abilities he is able to use his maestro wand to go and conduct apparently a mobile orchestra to go and help avert or recover from disasters that others have suffered under. 
and just like Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix, the entire, uh, but unlike Mario Mix, which only used some classical music for some of its tracks, the entirety of this game is made up of classical music, and not even remixes of classical music, but actually straight from the store stuff. So if you're a big classical music fan, well, that's a nice thing, but if you're somebody that likes, uh, you know, to mix it up a little, have something a little different, this will not be your cup of tea. And adding insult to injury, uh, Dance Dance Revolution more or less has it down on how long a song should last. And their songs typically go from 1 minute and 15 seconds to 2 minutes in length. However, with um, Mad Maestro, the songs just keep going on and on and on and on. Some songs are even over 5 minutes in length, which can be quite tiring to play the game. And the way the game is played is not with an actual wand that you wave in the air, as, of course, that will be the function utilized by Nintendo's Wii system. But uh, for the PlayStation 2, when this game came out, it was early in the PlayStation's life, the PlayStation 2's life, excuse me, and one of the features of the PlayStation 2, which was so heavily touted and then dropped like a stone into a river, was the ability of the buttons to use pressure sensitivity. Now, this was used in some racing games with various degrees of success, but in Mad Maestro, it rather sucks. You see, in Mad Maestro you have to go and press the buttons to the beat of the music. Doesn't sound too bad, doesn't sound too challenging, sounds like your standard musical affair. But there's a big problem. You see, not only are you supposed to press the buttons in time to the music, but each of the buttons is indicating how strong you should press it. There's a diamond on screen, which represents the four buttons on your controller, which may mislead you to believe that you have to press all four buttons on the right side of the controller in time, when in fact you can actually just select your favorite button and keep pressing that over and over in time to the music. However, you have to press it either light, medium, or hard. Hard essentially is pushing the button all the way down, light is barely tapping it, and medium is halfway between. As you probably guessed from my description, it's easy to get hard because you just have to push it down all the way. But hitting light and medium proves quite challenging because what you think is a light touch, the controller will either not sense or it will go and think is a medium press. So you're trying to lightly press this and get light touches so that you get scored appropriately, but the game will think you're not pressing it and so you'll get marked down for missing the note, or you'll press it for medium and you'll get marked down for that as well. Medium, though, proves even more difficult to hit on the spot because you can't press it as light as light or you can't press it as heavy as heavy, but of course you have to get it in between. And the game can be rather touchy about the range of what it considers to be medium. And so you'll constantly find yourself getting the wrong pressure for what you're trying to go after. And it doesn't help that the game's diamond shrinks and grows as you play according to the speed of the particular stanza that you're in. And so this can quite distract from you. And speaking of distracting, the wand in the game that the maestro is waving has an end that is white and glittery. This wouldn't be so bad, except that the, uh, the timer that's on screen that tells you which buttons to press and when, and how hard, is directly in the center of the screen. Unlike Samba de Amigo, which brushes it off to the lower left, or possibly the lower right corner, depending on whether you're playing one or two player, or Dance Dance Revolution, which has a column of which all the arrows go up, in this game, it's directly in the center of the screen. And making it even worse, you constantly get bright, flashy 
colors in the middle of the screen or the maestro waving his wand and so your brain gets confused by these different bright lights in contrast to the bright lights you're supposed to be playing against and since there isn't enough contrast between them and since the graphics do not avoid the middle of the screen at all you end up going and getting wrong presses on these and as I mentioned the stages are quite long and so you'll end up getting very frustrated with missing your marks because uh, uh, these stupid interferences and stupid controls and in the end having to do the song over again because your meter is not just a regular meter which gives you or takes away points from you it's a heaven or hell meter if you do poorly too often in a row you end up in the hell zone of the meter and you have to work really hard to get yourself out once you're in the angel zone or the heaven zone it's rather uh, as long as you keep getting it on there you're going to stay on there but it's very easy to ba end up back in the hell zone and of course the game loves to go and throw its hardest moments at the end of the songs and so you can be doing perfectly in the heaven zone for minutes at a time and then get to the end of the zone uh, end of the song where it goes and throws a whole bunch of hard stuff at you with alternate button pressures and you'll end up end up in the hell zone and rather being based on your score and overall performance it just determines whether or not you finished it in the heaven zone and if you don't then you fail and you have to do the song over again. Really quite atrocious. The graphics are very overly simple to the point of being, if you will, bare, especially in the rather empty looking stages that you have at times. Some are rather ornate, but many of them tend to be on the bare side. And the CG which comes in between the stages is amateurish and very childlike. Um, Mad Maestro could have been a lot more. But unfortunately, the designers didn't take the time to add the necessary polish to make this a worthwhile addition to anybody's library. And so I picked this up at the very bargain bin price of, I believe, 3 or $4, uh, maybe even 5 But it doesn't matter how much you pay for this game. It is quite the ripoff unless you're going and getting it for a dollar or less. And even then, you may not even want to waste your shelf space on Mad Maestro. So... The game's story, characters, graphics, music, control, all of it is rather rubbish. Um, there's some stuff to find in there which may tickle your fancy, but this game is not winning any awards or hearts, especially of reviewers on ASO Radio. So Mad Maestro for the PlayStation 2, a harsh but deserved, not recommended, from NZ17. Woo! That was a long video game review. I wasn't expecting to go so long, but I guess I was a bit irked about a couple of things in those games, huh? Well, anyways, uh, we have reached the beginning of another show of ASO Radio. Confusing? No, no, no. The end of an episode is an opportunity for a new episode. So see, it's not an end, it's just another beginning in the great cycle which is ASO Radio's releases of its episodes. Anyways, uh, it's been a fun episode, but we've got to go. After all, 98.99, that's right, the 100th episode of ASO Radio is coming up next. On that episode, we're going to go and review Boys B Volume 1, Comic Party Volume 1, Sergeant Frog the Manga, and New Super Mario Brothers and Zookeeper, both for the Nintendo DS. And, from what I've heard, we're having two special guests on that episode. Who could they be? Are they going to be some new guys or some familiar voices from ASO Radio's past? Well, you're just going to have to tune in and find out. Um, and if you're looking forward to the future, be sure to tune in to episode 101, which should be airing about August 20th, 
in which we'll be reviewing Animation Runner Kuromi, Kirby's Canvas Curse, and Medios. More games from the Nintendo DS, but hey, you gotta review what's on the system you have at hand. Which is kind of funny since it's a handheld portable system. Oh well. Let's go ahead and uh, wrap up this episode of ASO Radio. I hope that you join us for our seventh birthday celebration by listening into episode um, 100 of ASO Radio. After all, 2000, 2001, 2002, 3, 4, 5, 6, oh! Seven years old. ASO Radio. Isn't it wonderful? And if you think about it, we've been providing episodes for eight years to people. Now, now that's eight years, you know, inclusive, like not completed years. But hey, I'm just rambling, so I'll just zip my lip, wrap up this episode, and hope to see you on the next episode of ASO Radio. So this is NZ17 saying sayonara, you crazy guys. ASO Radio is copyright of NC-17 Productions. ASO Radio is licensed to the general public under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike license. Additional licenses available. For more information, visit us online at www.nz17.com.